Hello and welcome to the Black Arrow's Employment Team podcast, where you have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. This podcast is aimed at managers and business owners and aims to keep you on the street and narrow with your staff. My name is Simon Nelson. I'm head of the Black Arrow's Employment Team. This is our Listen and Learn season of podcasts. Welcome to episode four of season five of Employment Lawyer in Your Pocket. Um, let me welcome along Jack Boyle. Hi Jack, how's it going today? Not bad, Simon. Can't complain, you know, top of the morning and all that. How nice. about yourself? Ach, I'm doing okay. I'm doing A-OK. Um, this is our season of Listen and Learn. Going to tell a story about a situation which we've encountered. As usual, we will keep it confidential and will not be disclosing any client details. And then once we've told a bit of the story, we will then talk about the applicable law to that situation. We'll, of course, give our three takeaway tips. Yep, the best bit of the whole episode, isn't it? The top <laughs> tips. I think so, Jack, I think so. It's better when Ruth's not here, because we can really make it three as opposed to four <laughs> or five. Or five or, or nine six. or eleven, okay. So we're on episode four today. Um, hopefully you've already listened to episode one, but if you haven't, I would urge you to go back to the beginning. Stop, listen no further, um, because remember, we are telling this story in order. One story told week by week. So let's pick up where we let off last week. Uh, last episode was about Bruce and he's employed as a scientist. He made a serious error in his job and his employer has suspended him. Bruce makes a request for a postponement. So Miss Potts, the employer's HR manager, allows Bruce an adjournment request and tells Bruce the meeting will instead take place the following week. Bruce is still in receipt of full pay since he's been suspended. Miss Potts has scheduled the meeting to take place the following week. The day before the hearing, Bruce submits a fit note stating that he has sore fists and is unable to attend the meeting. Holy smokes. I know. Um, the meeting takes place in his absence and Bruce is dismissed. So, let's talk about that, shall we, Jack? What's he done to hurt his fists? Who knows? That's what I want to know. How Who do you knows? hurt your fists? Who knows? So Bruce told Miss Potts the day before the hearing he's able to attend the hearing. Now, she could have adjourned the meeting, couldn't she, Jack? Yeah, she could have, but I suppose why would she? I mean, she's already adjourned it once for Bruce to attend, so in my opinion, he's had his opportunity. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, did the letter warning Bruce that the meeting may take place in his absence? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's a good point, actually, because lots of employers don't, don't don't make it clear to the employee that if you fail to attend this second time round, this is your final bite at the cherry and we may just decide it in your absence. Yeah, so if that letter said mm. to Bruce that, that might be okay to dismiss him. But again, Bruce is 29 years service. Um, could Miss Potts have perhaps asked Bruce for a written response? You know, he tells her the day before the hearing's not going to attend, therefore he could have, she could have asked him for a written response, couldn't yep. she? It's true, yeah. Uh, she could have even referred him to occupational health, maybe to see when he would be fit to attend. Exactly. Um, sore fists. So Bruce potentially has a claim for unfair dismissal. You agree? Definitely agree, Simon. Um, and with these type of um, failure to attend due to ill health, we often think about discrimination, don't we, Jack? Yeah, we need to be mindful about disability discrimination, you know, particularly if the person's got I mean, sore fists, he's probably punched someone or something in a fit of rage, so <laughs> yeah. it's probably not a disability. But sure. let's just say, for example, it was um, 
stress, anxiety, depression. Sure. Those are the types of conditions that we're seeing more and more frequently mm-hmm. affecting employees in the workplace. Yeah. And it's quite often argued before the tribunals whether such a condition is um, amounts to a qualifying disability. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we look at the Equality Act and that's all about whether the condition is a physical or a mental impairment and whether it has got the, the necessary long-term Sure. Uh, adverse effect on the person's normal day-to-day activities. And long term, doesn't it mean 12 months or like the last 12 months? Yes. And that's often a hard one, isn't it? Because if somebody's maybe had a condition for a couple of months, then we would always we would always argue that then it's not lasted long enough. But yeah, sure. that's that's where you kind of have to lean on the medical professionals to give their thoughts on sure. how likely it's, it is to last. Sure. And there's potentially a defence to a claim of discrimination um, if, um, number one, the employer did not know that the employee had a disability and also the employer could not reasonably be expected to know that the employee was disabled. So it's kind of both things. First of all, the employer did not know the employee was disabled and also the employer was not could not reasonably be expected to know that the employee was disabled. So it's kind of a two-pronged defence. Yeah, and also a defence to a claim for failure to make reasonable adjustments or a failure, um, a, a discrimination arising from disability claim. Yeah. You can also rely on the knowledge defence for those two as well. Yes, so potentially if Bruce had said to Miss Potts the day before, I've been taking tablets for the past, you know, two months, six months, you know, 12 months, um, I suffer from depression, that might be a different story, wouldn't it, Jack? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So we heard, didn't we, Jack, at an employment law conference a couple of years ago, an employment law judge um, saying that an employer should never really resist a claim on the basis that the employer was disabled. And I disagreed, didn't I, at that conference? Yeah, the judge was basically advocating that all employers, if they're presented with a claim for disability discrimination, that, that, that you should just concede disabled status and not cause a fuss and focus your energies elsewhere. Which I don't agree with. Do you, Jack? No, me either. I mean, ultimately, the burden is on the employee to demonstrate that their condition is so serious to amount to a disability. We've seen loads of cases where, you know, the employee fails at that first hurdle. And if you're acting for the employer, then surely to give your client proper representation, you've got to have, um, you've got to try and use all avenues available to try and resist the claim. And if you can, you know, if you if you can avoid a finding that the person's disabled, then that's a knockout blow to their case. And, you know, they've not even got over the first hurdle. Exactly. So I quite disagree with that suggestion yeah, from we, uh, from the learned judge, to be honest. We had a case in me this year who acted for an employer, the employer lodged a claim, um, citing discrimination and saying he had a disability. And um, he lodged various reports from his GP saying, you know, this employee is disabled, um, blah, blah, blah. And um, I read the judgment out. So we won the case. He was found he wasn't disabled. And I read the judgment out. Um, the judge said it became quite clear that Mr. Allison was embarking on a root and branch attack on the contents of these reports. Um, what does that mean, Jack? Root I'm not and sure. Branch. Root and branch, is that like scattergun? Scat, scat I'm not sure. In any case, um, it goes on. In short, Mr. Allison's position was that the contents of the reports um, were not accurate. The reason they were not, they contained inaccuracies was because what the claimant had told the author of the medical reports was not in fact true. 
went on to say the claimant was not a good witness. He had no real recollection of dates and preferred to give evidence in terms of generalities rather than focusing on the facts. During the claimant's evidence, he was very quick to criticise practically everyone else involved in the matter, but was not prepared to answer simple factual questions regarding his own actings. During cross-examination by Mr Allison, he gave various answers which it transpired were simply incorrect. In each case, the answer given suited his case better than the truth. So that was a case whereby we said actually the reports are inaccurate, um, they're misleading, mm-hmm. and therefore they can't be relied upon. We were successful in that case, didn't we, Jack? Yeah, that was a good win, that, because it's not often that you can um, it's not often that you can pick away at the doctor's evidence and manage to, to win the case. Yeah, yeah. We had another claim as well, which I've, I've, I've handily got the judgment with me today. Oh, nice. Uh, like me. This was another case where we represented the employer. Yep. And the employee lodged various claims of disability discrimination, potentially quite good claims on one view. Um, and we also adopted a, a, root, a root and branch approach to defending the claim. It's R-O-O-T as opposed to R-O-U-T-E. Nice. Root. root uh, it'd be like a tree then. So if you try <laughs> to kill a tree, you'll dig up the roots and you'll hack off the branches. Oh, I see. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Anyway, so that was the story in this case. Argued about disability status, cross-examined the employee and... The employer in this case only actually discovered the true extent of the employee's condition after the dismissal. So again, the employer's knowledge of disability was crucial in this case. And one of the extracts from the one of the extracts from the judgment um, was where the uh, judge was concerned that the claimant had apparently not realised the type of evidence which would be required by the tribunal. So essentially, in this case, what the claimant was saying was that my doctor has told me that it's not good for my health to have my medical records examined in a public court, even though it was a private hearing. Um, So he didn't lodge any medical records and the judge didn't buy that explanation. And the judge also noted the fact that um, the employer's evidence was such that she was, in commas, gobsmacked. Is that right? She was indeed. She was indeed. When she found out after the event that the employee was potentially disabled. Yes. And then I went on to cite the case of Goodwin versus the Patent <laughs> Office, 1998 UKEAT 5798-2110. Nice, nice, nice. So there so you go. So potentially is worthwhile um, disputing disability, isn't it, Jack? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so um, that's about us C- concluded this podcast. Let's give our three takeaway tips. So tip number one Um, I think you want to weigh up the length of service with the decision to dismiss. The longer the employee has been employed, the more latitude should be given, I think, to the employee. Does that make sense, Jack? Yeah, completely agree. Okay. Tip number two, if someone does try to phone in sick and avoid a disciplinary hearing, think about whether the employee has a disability. If they do, then I think be very careful before dismissing. Sure. And tip number three, um, you know, if you're in doubt as an employer... Please, 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 please take advice before you dismiss. It's much easier to be um, proactive as an employment lawyer than being reactive um, when the ET3 is served on you. So if you employed the, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your podcast service is. If you can spare us a wee tiny 20 seconds, please do leave us a review on iTunes nice. or your other services. Um, nice. 
Let me read an, uh, Let me read one of our recent reviews that we received from okay. iTunes. Okay. Do you want to hear okay. this one, Simon? Get a go then, Jack. What does it say? You, you must not have been on this one. Um, <laughs> this podcast pulls off what so many fail to achieve. Engaging chat between friend, friends... Friends! ...without anyone trying to talk over the rest. The presenters have a real flair. I wasn't on this one either. For letting us know their quirks and personalities without the podcast becoming too cliquey. Nice. Make the law interesting. Lovely. How many stars did that review get? Five. Nats. Five. Always five. five. Good stuff. Back with that. Cheers and cheerio. Cheers, Si. Cheers, everyone. Next time on Employment Lawyer in Your Pocket. So Bruce Banner has been dismissed. Bruce Banner as in the Hulk. So yes. that, that wasn't made clear until now. Was it not? No, I didn't know it was Bruce Banner. He's a scientist. His employer is Tony Stark. Um, Miss Pepper Potts, the HR manager. Sore fist, Jack. What's uh, the Hulk? I only know about Pepper Pig, Simon. I don't know about <laughs> this Pepper Potts that you're talking about. Okay. <laughs>